0: man, I just really want to keep inspiring people to see these destinations. So, you know, this place is uh, I, I off the top of my head. How, you know, how many hours is it from Chicago? Maybe five or four, four and a half, five hours from Chicago. There's a bunch of people that live in Chicago that have full suspension, nice mountain bikes that will never make it up here. You know, they're like, oh yeah, we go down to Brown County and then, no, go go to Lacrosse. like go check it out. So I want my videos to continue showing that it is possible.
1: Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. Brian Kennedy, also known as BKXC, is our guest for episode 3. Note, this episode first aired on September 21st of 2020. Brian has taken his passion for traveling and mountain biking and combined the two to create the YouTube channel BKXC. Take a listen and learn how Brian did this and how Brian wants to motivate others to get out and explore new trails and communities. This episode was recorded during Brian's 50-state shred stop in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Support for Trail Effect comes from Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Smith's is a full-service bike shop that is a retailer for Trek Bicycle Company and Salsa Cycles. Smith also has a full line of components and accessories from Bontrager and other various companies. For more information about Smith's Bike Shop, go to www.smithsbikes.com. A special thanks goes out to Ben Wallenek of Mountain Bike Radio for supporting this podcast and to the people who have shared their time and knowledge. Without this, we would not have these stories to tell. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com.
2: I have Brian Kennedy otherwise known as BKXC who is a uh, another YouTube sensation. Um he's got like 370,000 subscribers. He does some awesome point of view mountain biking all over the world, showing off the greatest trails for people to see and inspire people to to get out and ride. So, welcome Brian. What's the what's the BKXC backstory? Like where are you from and what, you know, what prompted you to get into this world?
0: Yeah. I'm from Northern California. I grew up in Fairfield. I moved one town over to Vallejo. That's where I've been for the past ten years now. And yeah, I just got into mountain biking. I always wanted to build some kind of weird business where I could ride my bike on the side. I was always like, oh, I could have some YouTube channel or have some kind of internet marketing thing to just to have tons of free time to go on international mountain bike trips, local mountain bike trips, just mountain bike more often. And that's where this all came from. Is like just studying YouTube and studying online businesses and being like, ah, oh, yeah, maybe I could try this. And then I saw Nate Hills had an awesome video with the gimbal and you could actually hear the trail and you could hear people talking. And I was like, whoa, this might be it. I, I don't have to do something totally different. I love mountain biking. I could actually document mountain biking and see how it goes. Because at that time... Basically, YouTube was filled with vloggers and people doing stuff. You know, there's full time bodybuilders on YouTube. There's full time makeup women on YouTube. There's makeup guys on YouTube. There's all kinds of things on YouTube where it was like full time people were making a living by getting eyeballs on their content and just making it happen one way or another. But there was no one in mountain biking doing that. Sets Bike Hacks was around. He wasn't full time at the time. He was still just working a side job and then spending a ton of time on his mountain bike channel. So, and, you know, his content is very different than mine. Mine's kind of like, hey, I'm this guy. Here's my story. Come along for the ride and uh, I'll show you everything that's happening.
2: So obviously, you know, you had a corporate gig before you did this. What are, you know, what's some of the inspiration you had to actually get you to make that leap and, and basically leave that security of a, of a regular job, nine to five, to get you into this whole world? Man, that
0: is the craziest thing is when I started my channel, I felt like, oh man, there's people commenting. There's people finding it. There's, uh, how is this possible? Just out of starting with nothing, all of a sudden, you know, 100 scri- subscribers, 200 subscribers, like, whoa, this is crazy. Oh, my view, my video got a thousand views. So how, who, who are these thousand people? And so I basically knew within the YouTube universe how I was doing and how. I bet if I had 75,000 subscribers, I could actually make a full-time living on YouTube. And then it probably would take a year to do that. All the math in my head was kind of like, I could totally do this. I can totally make this work. And it was still a crazy wait to be able to just like walk into my boss's office to tell my mom and dad to be like, Hey, I'm going to go do this thing. It's like, you know, an an actor trying to go to Hollywood. It's just one in a billion, one in a million maybe is even a little too... uh, (laughs) like It's less than one in a million to be like, hey, I'm going to go chase this dream. Except for that I kind of had proven it enough and have an audience enough to be like, ah, let's do this. So I think I I, I always get this number wrong, but I think I quit around 7,000 subscribers, somewhere between 5 and 10,000 subscribers where it's like your YouTube revenue is like, 500 bucks a month or something like that, you know, maybe 400 bucks a month. And then some Amazon affiliate stuff that might be 50 bucks a month of like, hey, somebody bought something through my link. So I got a little kickback. And, but still, even knowing like, oh, this YouTube thing, it's going to work. Whatever I'm doing, people connect with it. They're not just beating me down from the start. Even if I look back, those videos, they're kind of crappy, but they're still kind of entertaining. Somehow I still had all the jokes and all the off the top of my head kind of stuff, which is basically the backbone of my channel. And so, still, it was so hard, so hard. So like I watched a lot of Casey Neistat videos back then. He was doing those videos, his daily vlog. And he had several little inspirational videos that I would watch like two or three times and his little nuggets of you got to do it. You got to chase what you're going after and, you know, different self-help books and just a million different things. There's, I I can just, like, it took a tapestry. It took like a hundred different things to actually be like, Yes, this is something people do. Every business, everyone looks at big business like, oh man, these evil big businesses. It all started with one person that was willing to take that risk and like, oh, second mortgage on the house and going all in. And maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. There's a ton of them that never work, but it's always someone willing to make a risk, take a risk to make something awesome.
2: So, has there been, with the growth of the channel, obviously it's been pretty consistent, you know, has there been a common theme that you get in your comments? from your viewers, you know, that really, that you think really brings people in? Yeah. I think
0: people love that I'm a regular guy. I get that a lot. And it's a, it's a, it's a compliment for sure. It's a little bit of an insult too, you know, but it's, I, I connect, you know, that people see these trails and like, man, if I, if he can do it, I can do it. And uh, I kind of like, (laughs) some of the stuff I ride, like the GoPro never shows it off and never really does it justice, but it really is. I show my faults. I, show who I am. And I think it's in this world, we don't want people to see who we really are. We, we try to put up a wall. We try to, you know, if you're short, you're, you you got to look taller. If you're skinny, you got to get muscles. If you're fat, you got to get skinnier. You know, it's like, we're constantly in this thing of like, oh, if people really see who I am, they're never going to like me. Where I try to show myself off as much as I can in YouTube and it actually connects with people. People like that, you know, I show all the stupid stuff that constantly happens. My wrecks, my crashes, my van foibles, everything I've ever done wrong is in my videos. <laughs> so it, it goes to show you can expose your, you know, yourself and your vulnerabilities and people actually like that.
2: That's awesome. So in looking at some of your content, one of the things that really caught my attention was your... The, the multiple trips you've taken to Quebec City and I'm not even going to try to pronounce <laughs> Santier de Moline. yeah exactly that's a, that's what I was not going to try to pronounce you've kind of you've claimed that place to have basically some of the best mountain bike trails in the world i, I know better it. than better than whistler which is another canadian you know famous canadian place but what uh you know, what is it about that place that really kind of struck a chord with you
0: man it's it's such a cool place so quebec city itself has a very central location where there's probably five different ride centers, all you know, within a good 30 minute drive. I'm gonna butcher the names, you know, Santier du Moulin is the one I say all the time, so I actually can pronounce it properly. But there's Nielsen, there's a uh, Valley Bras du Nord, which I think might a- also be the Nielsen trails. But there's there's actually a very good menu of five days of amazing riding, but Santier du Moulin. It's this ski hill that was kind of going into disrepair a few years ago. It was like city-owned or county-owned and you know cross-country skiing was kind of the thing. And maybe they kind of sort of had some bike trails, but it was totally falling apart. And some guys came in, swooped up and said, hey, let's build some mountain bike trails. It is the most amazing hill where you pedal up to the top. It's a nice hard pedal. And then they just have these big badass trails coming off the top. It's all granite, it's slabs, it's rock, and it's just the ultimate mountain biker surface. You know, it's the perfect uh blank canvas to build your mountain bike trails on. And everything's been built within the past 4 years maybe, 5 years. If we think back to bikes 7 years ago, 8 years ago, they all kind of suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you actually go back to your bike that was 10 years old, you're like wow, this! how can this be so crappy? We thought this was the best. And we all complain that bikes are so expensive, but we're spending all that money and people are pouring that research and development back into making our bikes so good. So if you build a trail center today, it's going to be amazing because it's all built for these big time enduro bikes. And wow, the things that your bike can do, your mind doesn't even think you can do it. And they have just... Perfectly struck while the iron is hot to create something. They're building more trails every year. They actually set out to be an expert level trail system too. They didn't say like, Hey, we're going to build the greens and we're going to build the blues. And then we're going to, they said, No, this is what we're going to do. We're going to stick to blacks and double blacks. And it is just spectacular. The borders closed this year. So I'm not going to get there. I was in Maine. It's like four hours away. And I was like,
2: No. So I'll be back next year for sure. Cool. Aside from Quebec City. Is there another place or region in the world, because you've been all over the world, that really kind of struck a chord with you left a good lasting impression? And it could be trails-related or just community-related that that you really like. You know, I'll have to do an honorable mention first.
0: Roanoke, Virginia. I just passed through there on the 50-state shred. I'm trying to ride all 50 states uh, on my YouTube channel this year. And it's going better than you would think with the COVID and the shutdowns and everything. But I rode Carvin's Cove out there and I met so many cool people. And, you know, I do a lot of trail forks, self-guiding. I look at trail forks and seeing like, oh, wow, there's probably five good days of riding out there in Roanoke. So Roanoke is like dog-eared for me to get back to and spend more time. But I think the number one mecca of mountain biking communities right now is Asheville. It's the Western North Carolina area. There's Hendersonville, there's Brevard, there's Asheville. And the amount of riding out there is unreal. It is such a bike community. The mountain bike community is like, they they see that it's happening. You know, you have Bentonville, where through through active force, you know, through money, through like total passion, those Walmart guys have been able to create something out of thin air. Which now the snowball's rolling and rolling and rolling. And Bentonville's amazing. I haven't been back there in a couple of years, actually. But uh, Asheville has this really amazing momentum where there's mountain bike companies there, Industry Nine, Cane Creek there's all these like parks popping up. There is stuff happening. And of course you've got Pisgah forest, which is rugged, nasty, amazing riding. So for my money right now, you know, people always ask me, where would you move to? If you're going to move to someplace, it would be the Asheville metro area. I think closer to Brevard, closer to Hendersonville, it's a bit further South, but that's where DuPont and Pisgah are closer to
2: that access. So you're from Northern California. Um, one of the other places I want to talk to you about, cause I have a friend that lives out there is uh is the La Sierra or Downeyville? You know, let's talk a little bit about Downeyville and what you know how that's been because I'm sure you've ridden there quite a bit with it, with yeah. the location of it.
0: Downeyville is an amazing place because I've probably been riding out there, and when I say riding out there, the Downeyville downhill. That's kind of what 99.9 percent of people go down. You get a shuttle, Yuba Expeditions. There's also Downeyville Out Outfitters. They, you know, they take a shuttle to the top of Packer Saddle. I think it's a six thousand foot descent. If, if uh, memory serves me right, that's funny. I've done it so many times that I don't know the actual numbers, but uh, that's what 99% of people do. They take the shuttle up and they ride down and it is an absolute blast. You know, it can take people five hours to get down. It takes some people less than an hour to get down. It's chunky. There's all this stuff, but it's just an amazing ecosystem. And it's, it's still evolving because they have the Sierra Buttes Trail stewardship and they're trying to do everything the right way it all started with these moto trails. It's all very motorcycle, dirt bike heavy stuff. And and Greg Williams, I believe is his name. I'm going to mess that up. But uh, he saw the vision of mountain biking. And we're talking 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago, long, long time ago. And he started it little by little by little, getting access, getting trails built, doing everything the right way through like permitting and all this stuff. California is a bit of a tough Tough sell sometimes, even in the most rural counties where there's nothing going on whatsoever, and these people are trying to build a mountain bike economy. And slowly and slowly, and even over the past, you know, five years, things are really moving and moving. And now they rent e-bikes because there's giant, giant rides out there. If you get dropped off at the Packer Saddle and decide to go off the map or on the map still, but you know, ninety-nine percent of the people go down the downyville, downhill. You do this, this, and this. This is what you do. But off-the-menu stuff, the little hidden gems, that's stuff I haven't even explored. And I'm like dying to get out there and see the real deal. <sighs> yeah, it's just very inspiring to see that everything takes 20 years <laughs> of oh. like planting one little tree at a time. This, this, advocating, getting it done. Having get, oh, oh, we got this thing. Oh, no, it got taken away. Oh, two steps forward, three steps back, two steps forward, one step back. So mountain biking is still so young and we still just don't have that real cohesiveness of everyone getting together and being like, no, I'm going to step up. I'm going to fight for this. Let's get together. Let's make this happen.
2: That's awesome. So we're, as we're hanging out, we're, we're, we didn't talk about this in the beginning of the show. We're actually at the Luth Park bicycle playground here in La Crosse. And so you're in the middle of your 50 state shred, you know, so which has brought you here to the Driftless area in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Well, first of all, let's talk about your 50 state shred. Yeah. So like, how's that been going? Obviously, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And so that is Probably change the, the dynamic of things, but how has that been overall? Like, that's your goal this year, is
0: yeah, to hit fifty states. It's been really fantastic, and it's nice having the van because I can be pretty self contained. You know, some of the more uh, locked down states like Maine and New Hampshire and stuff, I didn't even have to interact with anyone. I could just like roll in the van, sleep over here, go ride the trail, and then get out of town, kind of thing. Like, hey, I didn't interact with anyone. It's good. I'm I'm, I'm solid. And, you know, getting little curbside delivery. I'm doing a lot of that and stuff. But just overall, it's been awesome. Like every place has a little something amazing. And that was the goal is there's got to be more out there that people haven't seen, that people are putting work in. And uh, man, all these... Sta- I'm at state number 36, I think, today. And i if I think back, I started in January. It seems so long ago. It seems like a different world, obviously, pre-COVID sort of and everything. <laughs> and... Uh, Just all these places I've been, all these rides I've been, all these people I've met, and just so many people coming together to make stuff happen. And uh, yeah, Josh's little email signature, it's such a perfect, inspiring quote that the world is run by the people who show up. And uh, I I think people think they got to be an expert at something. They got to be this and that. I, I need a million bucks. You just have to show up and maybe get a friend to show up. And then you learn and you watch some YouTube videos, whatever you're trying to do, whether it's lobby Congress or ride a
2: technical trail or learn how to jump, uh, you can do it. You just have to show up. Yep, exactly. So has there been any, any surprises, any community, communities or trail systems that you've came across so far that, you know, kind of like, like we asked earlier, it's left an impression that you maybe didn't think would be that great or you just didn't know? lots of surprises. It's it's very cool because
0: I feel like oh, I have such an interesting audience of people and I'm always actually surprised when you know people watch my videos where the actual trail builders have actually seen my videos because I think I live in a different world. You know, I think trail builders and more hardcore riders are watching Remy Mettailler and they're watching, you know, the biggest and the baddest downhillers and stuff where oh, oh yeah, that's that normal guy that talks a lot on YouTube like yeah, but it's, it's very cool. I was just in Kentucky last week And these guys, they've got a hill, they've got terrain, and they've got 20 miles of single track they've built over the past six years, just digging their hearts out and just really intense stuff, fun stuff. It all connects. And they're going to keep building more. The mayor's on board, the city council is on board, and all of that just doesn't happen overnight. But then I think they wake up in the morning, they're like, holy crap, we have 20 miles. How, How did this ever happen? How did how did it spring out of nothing? And they just they have a dedicated group of people, and now you know this uh, that area of Kentucky coal mine country total collapse of the economy. Everyone moves out. What well, this is, there's no jobs here anymore. You got big hills. You can build bike trails everywhere. <laughs> that everywhere there's giant hills. You know I'm a hammer, so everything looks like a nail. And it's just like man, they could have a amazing thriving mountain bike economy where it's like oh yeah, been to Prestonsburg? It's amazing.
2: Yeah, and that's you know that's a common theme with with mountain biking. I and mean, if you look at if you look at all the great places that have really popped up over the years, you know it's it's a lot of it's been from the demise of some other industry. You know whether it's logging or coal mining or regular mining or just something that went away where it was a single economy community and now they needed to do something with ecotourism or whatever. And you know you see it everywhere. It's it's obviously it's happening in the Midwest, up in you know up in northern Minnesota. It's it's a great example, like Duluth area, Cuyuna area. Of course. You Copper know, Harbor. Yeah. Copper Harbor. Yeah. The
0: furthest place you can get from anywhere and people talk about it all the time yeah. and people make the trip and it's
2: a pretty amazing spot. Yeah. And you don't go there. You you don't pass through Copper Harbor. I mean, no. you, you can't, it's a peninsula. <laughs> it's a dead end. It's an awesome dead end. Yeah. But yeah. So, well, BK is here. He uh, obviously rode here in lacrosse, you know, did you have any thoughts on what you saw? You know, we took him on some of our old stuff. We took him on some of the new stuff. We took him on some stuff that nobody else has written yet because it's, it's so new, it's not open. It's under construction. You know, it's, what is you know, do you have any feedback at all or what you saw? It's
0: amazing. It's really cool. I the old stuff was good, the windy, the tough, the huffing and puffing and super tight and fun. And then the new nerf herder, Jedi, Vader, all that stuff is like, wow, this is awesome. I like having both. I, I'm a I've, I it's hard to choose. People always want me to choose. Like, oh, would you rather have technical? Or would you rather have flow? It's like, oh, we don't have to choose. Let's get everything. You mm-hmm. can have you got these trails, you got this uh, this landscape. It doesn't have to be one way or the other. And man, we got, we got some good miles in today. I got to see a lot. And the new stuff is going to be amazing. It is just people coming together. That's the most amazing thing to see. You know, Josh is telling me that he's been out here more than 20 years and fought battles and won battles and lost battles. And 20 years later, it's like, wow, there's actually professional trail builders out here building stuff. And yeah, I think this place is definitely going to get on the map.
2: Yeah, cool. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about van life for a second. You know, it's, I think some people have that romantic dream of <laughs> of living the van life, and you're living the van life. You know, how how's that process been? Uh, you've done a couple of YouTube videos on it. I recommend people go out and check those YouTube videos out because you did an initial YouTube video. I think you've done at least two follow up videos. A couple here and there, and
0: then all the vlogs kind of I include like, oh, I slept like crap last night. Yeah. <laughs> it never got lower than 75 degrees. How is this possible? I'm dying out here. So yeah, van life, it is pretty awesome to show up at the trailhead and have your bike, to know you have all your stuff. Doing it solo is pretty nice too. I can do whatever I want. I did go back and forth across the country with my girlfriend, which was a little tighter, a little more cramped, but mostly because she had her giant espresso machine and her stand mixer and stuff. We had a couple <laughs> extra luggage things in the van. But even that, it still worked out pretty good. It was still plenty of room to sleep and move around and stuff. But it is... Yeah. The number one thing for me is the insulation of my van is just... And it's terrible, but I think your house is probably terrible too. If you turned off the AC on a 100 degree day, your house is going to get ridiculously hot. If you turned off the heater on a negative 20 degree day, your house is going to get really cold. So it's just suffering through the cold nights and the hot nights is like... Oh. And it's so funny too, because everyone in the comments is like, "Oh, you should get this. You could do this, do that. And it's like, "I yes, I could. It, when you put out a problem out there, everyone wants to solve it and stuff. But it's it's like, yeah, I'll get a $1,200 heater mounted under the van. And then I never take it out in the winter ever again. <laughs> yeah. It's like, let me complain. Let me get it off my chest. Let me show you what it's really like. But man, there's so many benefits being able to hide out. So usually I, I park in Walmart parking lots, but the old uh, on Alaska Walmart had a ton of signs like, no, no overnight parking, no overnight parking. I was like, okay, here we go. What am I going to do? I'm gonna do? And a Cracker Barrel is actually a good one. I just did a Cracker Barrel parking lot a couple uh, weeks or a couple nights ago, but they're not in this area either. So I stayed at in the parking lot of a Hampton Inn. Did not check in. I just pulled into a spot. There, there's all hustle and bustle and stuff, and you find your little spots to bootleg. And yeah, being able to change after a ride. There's so many good benefits of just having everything
2: there with you. Cool. So let's talk about some of your partners. I know you, um, if if you've been following BK along for a, a couple of years, he's talked about how. He kind of really wants to do things his way, like doesn't want to be dictated by, you know, any certain companies, but you do have some partners out there, some sponsors. Let's talk about maybe some of those different companies that you have decided to partner with and maybe why.
0: Yeah. Ibis is my big sponsor for this year. And uh, so they gave me a bike to ride last year and there was no sponsorship agreement. Like I don't. I, all of you out there, if you're listening, you're not sponsored unless you're being paid. Let's stop this whole thing about, oh, I'm being sponsored because they gave me a free handlebar. You're not. It's an ambassadorship. It's a thing. Your value is more than that. So this year, I, I, or actually October last year, I proposed Ibis. I said, hey, you know, last year I wasn't riding your bike exclusively. And, you know, I went to Japan, I went to the Czech Republic. There was a lot of views that you guys missed out on where I wasn't riding your bike. Let's do an exclusive thing. I'll ride the Ibis RITMO exclusively. It's gonna appear in a m- tons of videos and let's get paid. <laughs> you know, let's do it. Let's get a bike, let's get paid for it, and let's see what happens. And that's what I did. And they say it, they agreed to it. And it was very much a, a deal where I was where I was like, I don't care either way. Like this is great. I it's great to get paid. It's great to have some supplemental income. But if they said no, it was not gonna change anything. I'd probably still ride a Ritmo, whatever. You know, maybe I didn't, maybe I would try different bikes. But uh yeah, it was very much a. I'm doing so well with Patreon and YouTube advertising that I am very insulated from having to beg, borrow, or steal or hustle that much. I still like to hustle a little bit. I had a Whoop sponsorship. That's the Whoop strap that's like, you know, the fitness tracker thing. And they were a very good partner. But then once the pandemic hit, I was like, Oh, I feel like I'm going to be talking about this product that's expensive and everyone's going to be losing their jobs. And I'm like, ah, I don't want to hit people over the head with, hey, buy this thing, buy this thing. So I, I kind of ended that prematurely just to be like, ah, it just didn't feel right. So yeah, the, the partnerships have been good. I can pick my spots. I always wanted this to be a fan funded thing to be able to build it on my terms. And Patreon is definitely the number one thing with that. And you know, for three bucks a month, people can see my videos early you know, extended cuts. And I have almost 2,000 people doing that, which is just amazing. It's every month I get a check. It's like my real paycheck where YouTube advertising money goes up, it goes down. You have no control. You have no idea why things are going up or why things are going down. It's like, oh, it was $5,000 this month. It was 500 bucks the next month. Who knows? Who cares? Don't even think about it and don't rely on it. But Patreon is a very good thing because it's... People are buying in. You know, they're like, hey, I like this. I... And I try to make it transactional. I don't want you know that you're getting early videos. You get a podcast. It's not a donation. The last thing I want it to be is a, a donation. It's just it's three bucks. That's what it is. Come and get it. Awesome.
2: That's great. My next question was going to be the Patreon, yeah. <laughs> which you covered. You know what kind of content you cover and whatnot. So, you know, as we sit here, you know, we're in we're recording this in mid to late summer of of 2020. You know the the 2020 goal for BKXC was to do this 50 state shred, but you know, clearly you got to start thinking about 2021 and beyond, you know, what do you you have on your mind for what kind of adventures you might look into next after, you know, post pandemic, you know, what do you, what would you like to see? Or has there been a theme that people have continued to ask for?
0: It's interesting because that's the best thing about 2020 is that I only had to worry about getting to the different states. I didn't have to think about, oh, what about this content? So I've been able to just totally always think about, okay, 2021, what should I do? How should, where should I go? What kind of themes should I do? What kind of stories should I tell? And I've got a lot of stuff kicking around. One of the big ones is like a big bikepacking trip. People love the bikepacking. I've done bikepacking one time on my channel and just people absolutely loved it in the Chilcotins in uh, BC. And it was fantastic. And I want to get back, maybe not get back there, maybe do the Colorado Trail, maybe do the Arizona Trail. There's so many different bikepacking adventures and I think connects with people because it's this big outdoor adventure thing. Yeah, that's awesome.
2: One of the things that people probably don't know is the workload on the back end. Yeah, how much, you know, what, you know, everybody sees what you produce and it's like anything in life. You see the final product. It's like, it's like that, the awesome band, you know, like, oh, you came out with a sweet album. Well, what went into that? Like, how much, like, how much actually went into that? So, what do you, what kind of, like, what are your, what's your effort like or what do you actually do? You know, the stuff, the behind the scenes stuff that, Goes into each one of your videos. Yeah, I would say kind of make this realistic. Exactly. You know, it's
0: funny because I it almost always works out a day of writing is a day of editing. So you know, maybe five or six hours of editing per video. Sometimes faster, sometimes way longer. It's just kind of a weird thing, but it's always like, okay, you spend one day writing, you spend one day editing. Very rarely will I ever. Get back to the van, dump the footage, and then like start editing it that same day. It's like mostly it's like, oh, after a ride, you chill out, you eat. And then right now I'm driving, you know, five hours this way or 10 hours that way, kind of thing to move on to the next thing. So I've been doing a lot of blocking of like, okay, I'm gonna hunker down here for five days, try to edit as many videos as I can, have a decent internet connection and get it out. But yeah, it's definitely I I was thinking about this recently on during the drive up here, actually, of like if I had to quantify, because people are always interested, like, oh, how many hours a week or how many days? And it's like, it's I have such flexibility in my time. I really own my time, however I want it to be. But I also have to get two videos out a week. And I have Patreon people that are depending on me. And I take it very seriously of like, I'm going to get these videos out. And so I've, I've taken maybe a few days off here and there where I never even looked at an email, stuff like that. But mostly it's probably seven days a week of, of doing a little bit here, a little bit there, working on this, working on that, getting this done, scheduling this, interacting, it's all consuming, but it's all I ever wanted was something that was all consuming, where I can just pour my life into it, and there's no floor to how little I can make, and there's no ceiling to how much I can make too. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Yeah, that's that's
2: the amazing part. Well, in closing, you know, at the end of the day, what are your, you know, if you had a crystal ball, what are your goals with your channel, or, you know, like, you know, looking five five years down the road, you know, what what kind of impression are you looking to to leave? man,
0: I just really want to keep inspiring people to see these destinations. So, you know, this place is uh, I, I, off the top of my head. How, you know, how many hours is it from Chicago? Maybe five or four. Four and a half, five four hours. And half, five hours from Chicago. There's a bunch of people that live in Chicago that have full suspension, nice mountain bikes that will never make it up here. You know, they're like, oh yeah, we go down to Brown County and then no, go, go to Lacrosse. like go check it out. So I want my videos to continue showing that it is possible. You know, I go on these big trips to Europe or Tibet or, you know, New Zealand. And I still think people think it's not possible. It's like, no, those are all things that I paid for. <laughs> you can pay for the flight. You can pay for the trip and you can experience it yourself. It's all out there. It's your choices that matter the most and getting out there. Yes, I understand time off in America isn't quite the same. So that's always kind of the tough thing. If you have a, a family, if you've got kids, it's tough to be like, Hey, I'm going to go do this one week and then we've got one week for Christmas. And so then it's like, oh, all my vacation's gone. I totally understand that. But if you're a weekend warrior, I just want to keep showing people it's possible. And by any means ne- necessary, if that means you know, building my own empire of, of different things to get people out there more, I want them to get out there more. I don't care if you watch the videos. I care if you go out and ride and visit these places.
2: Well, in some of the places you visited, have full on outfitters where they can you or they can curate the experience for you. So you just you you basically sign up. I think Switzerland was a place exactly. There's a lot on the
0: menu out there. You just have to dig and look. And that's the thing when a mountain bike destination gets big enough, it can support like Asheville. I think they could support like a full on five day trip, and they do. Chasing Epic, the company that I partner with, Steve's got like a four day trip where it's like, hey, you get here, we do four days of riding. You've got the accommodation, you got the food. And all of a sudden that just brings it up another level of amazing possibility. Yeah, because you don't even have to
2: think about it. You just got to show up. Exactly. And you got, I mean, that's that's one of my frustrations that I've had when you just go the shell forks route, is like you, you get to the place, you get on a trail, you're riding the trail, and you're like, well, you know, this probably would ride better the other way. There's a
0: lot of pain there. And that's really if if, if we talk about five years, if we talk about 10 years from now, that's basically the pain i want to solve i want to solve that all across the country and that there's so much and i live it every every time i don't go ride with somebody knowledgeable i do it and i look at the map and i'm like oh this trail for this kind of works and i think there's a ton of opportunity out there to fix those problems
2: yeah for sure awesome well we really appreciate you showing up into the driftless area and and letting uh letting us give you a tour today so you could see see what we got That we have now that you can ride, and what's going to be available here in the the not too distant future.
0: I love it. It's amazing to see people working towards
1: a common goal. And eh, thanks so much, Josh. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening. Links for the various topics discussed in the show can be found in the show notes. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. This podcast has been made possible by Mountain Bike Radio, Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin and as an Evolution Trail Services production. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature on Trail Effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.